Hey everybody, welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John and this is r slash malicious compliance. Yep, back to the same old sleeveless shirt today. It was warm, we were working around the house. As you can see, I was playing with the cats downstairs. Alright, let's read some stories. Boss says I have to scan packages before I load them, then gets mad when I refuse to load unscanned packages. Hello everyone, nice to meet you. I'm very new to writing on this subreddit, so I hope I'm doing this right. I didn't even realize this was a malicious compliance until recently. Note, I will of course be changing names for privacy's sake. First things first, the backstory. I work at a large hub facility of a well-known shipping company as a package handler. Essentially, it's our job to handle the packages, as the name implies, pulling them off trucks, sorting them out, and putting them on new trucks depending on where we're put in the facility. I work with the main delivery trucks that deliver packages to homes and smaller businesses. The packages come with barcodes on the side as well as small spot labels that allow someone to see the address, which part of the facility they go to and which truck they're to be put on. We used to be given small scanners that would scan the barcodes in order to ensure we didn't put the packages on the wrong trucks or get a package that didn't belong in our area, as sometimes the labels could be wrong due to human or technical errors, or a package might lose its label. The trucks are even fitted with sensors, so if you scan a package and try to walk into a truck where it doesn't belong, the scanner would start to whine. With that set up, now enters our main antagonist in this story, Alan, my former supervisor. Alan is a short skinny guy with a thin mustache and is a micromanager of the highest degree. He always walked up and down the trucks to watch us work, watched us from a distance or close by with his arms crossed to get us to work faster constantly told us to grab all of our packages as they come to us despite the fact that they go around on a moving conveyor belt that literally loops them back if we miss them. Told us to load up our larger packages as soon as we get them despite the fact it makes it harder to move through the trucks and place other packages on the shelves. And even hopped into some people's trucks to move packages around the right way. His way. I can go on and on about Alan but today I'm here to vent about just one of these events or we'd be here all day. So anyways, Alan had me and all the other package handlers of our area in a group texting chat in order to tell us our start times for our next shift, as well as compare our work speeds to each other via our scanning count. I assume to make us feel bad and work harder, but we don't really care. Around that time, the number of packages we missed loaded onto our trucks, as we call it, had increased and ever since, Alan had been adding to his group messages that we need to scan every package and make sure we're aiming for zero misloads. Annoying, but nothing too serious, at least I thought. On to the actual story. So one day I'm working on belt as usual and my scanner suddenly decided to screw up on me as they tend to do if smacked or if the battery comes loose. I go to Alan and ask him if he could help me fix it or give me a new one to use. Instead he takes it and tells me to keep loading my trucks without the scanner and just use the labels on the packages. This isn't really allowed and I instead chose to stack the packages in front of the trucks so I can scan them once I get a new scanner. Alan eventually comes down and tells me to just load them into the trucks normally and to stop stacking. Frustrating, but I shrug and do it to try to avoid any real conflict. That evening, Alan messages the group and lists out our speeds with me at the bottom and is once again spouting on that we need to make sure we're scanning our packages before loading them and even comes to talk to me the next day about my number of misloads. I'm angry, of course, as he's the one to tell me, but at that point I was still fairly new to the job and didn't feel comfortable arguing with the supervisor, so I just try to continue on with my work with a mental note of always scanning my packages no matter what, so he can't pull this again, unaware that this will be my malicious compliance later on. Fast forward a few months later, Alan is leaving for real estate and is training one of the package handlers to be his replacement before he leaves. By that time I'm fed up with all the micromanaging and pestering, 
and can't wait for him to be gone. It's about the final week of his employment that I'm working the belt and once again my scanner frigs up and stops working. I hand it over to Alan once again and just like before as if he's never cared about scanning he tells me to keep loading the trucks. I smile to myself and nod. So I continue stacking my packages in front of my trucks waiting for that new scanner to arrive. Not long after Alan comes back with the trainee at his side. He asks me what I'm doing and I tell him I'm stacking my packages. Once more he tells me to keep loading my trucks and this time I talk back telling him I'm not loading them without a scanner. I have to admit, at this time I was done with Alan and let my anger get the better of me, raising my voice and getting a bit shaky as I have a very hard time dealing with anger, especially after dealing with his crap for so long. The trainee tries to settle the situation and tell me to just keep stacking and they'll get a scanner right away, but is interrupted by Alan telling me once again to load my trucks, this time louder. I flatly respond, no, and thus it goes back and forth like this for nearly half a minute before I eventually tell him to get it to me in writing because I'm not getting fired over this. Remember, we're not supposed to load a package without scanning it, and can indeed get in trouble if they can prove we did it intentionally. This seems to get him even more mad and he eventually tries to pull the head supervisor card. He asked me if I would like him to go get the head supervisor to try and intimidate me, I guess. I wasn't able to chuckle in my anger and just told him to go ahead and get him. Him and the trainee walk off with him storming down the belt. A few minutes later, the trainee comes back with a scanner in hand, apologizing and telling me to just get back to work. I didn't see Alan for the rest of the day, and if memory serves, the rest of his final week as well. Sorry if it's not as explosive as some of the other posts, but this was just my first real malicious compliance, and I hope you enjoyed the read all the same. And to any supervisors reading this, please just let us do our freaking jobs. If you listen real close during this story, you could hear my grandson in the next room shrieking his head off. It's not out of anger. He's not sad. He's not hungry. He's not wet. He's not poopy. He just discovered his shrieking voice and decided that this is the one he's going to work on this week. When I'm recording. Yeah, supervisors, sometimes they get a little bit power hungry and have no idea how to handle situations. The guy was contradicting himself and company policy and flip-flopping. I mean, basically, he was setting this employee up every time he did something like that. And it's it's wrong. It's wrong on so many different levels but I mean first you're just being a jerk second of all you're screwing up production by not just getting another scanner or fixing the one that he had anyway what are you gonna do now he's selling houses that ought to work out swimmingly so you want me to check another bag this happened some six or so years ago I was flying on my favorite low-cost airline to Geneva with my family we could get everything into one suitcase, but it was 23 kilograms. The limit was 20 kilograms. The actual limits may have been slightly different. Paying for excess baggage was really expensive, and we didn't want to put things in two suitcases as we were traveling a lot by train in Switzerland. There was a cheaper way. Book two bags instead of paying for the excess and just use one. The rules for two bags were total less than 20 kilograms each and no bag heavier than 25 kilograms. Perfect. However, the woman on the check-in desk did not agree. You've booked two bags. You need two bags. You can't do this, despite the fact that we had done it before. I won't let you travel today. Cue malicious compliance. I asked my wife for the empty plastic carrier bag she had in her handbag. I presented it to the check-in woman and said that this was our second bag. Tumbleweed seemed to blow around us for many seconds in the silence that followed. Oh, all right then, she said. Just this once. <laughs> only problem I've ever had with them. The only reason I can imagine the airline would give you a fuss if you paid for two bags and only have one to check in 
it may screw up their count. Like maybe they're looking for an extra bag and, you know, with security and everything with airlines and all that these days, they kind of got to be careful about lost and misplaced bags because who knows what's in that other bag and, you know, where did it go to? But, you know, at the same time, you're checking in less than you actually paid for. So you can just write on the ticket or type it in your system or whatever that only one bag got checked in out of the two and you're fine. I don't know. There's got to be a way around it, but whatever. Malicious milk. I used to be a shift lead at a locally owned drive through coffee establishment in Arizona. Awesome coworkers, awesome customers, and just an all-around fun job. There's a lot of lingo that goes along with being a barista. One of my favorites being the term breve or breve to describe a cup of steamed half and half with any number of espresso shots. It's my favorite term because of the following events. Early shift, Sunday morning, 6 a.m. Hungover from the night before. The hot morning sun is scowling into my eyeballs through my squinted eyelids. I cradle my shift drink in my palms like a lost holy grail. Cue the Sunday morning rush. Everything is dandy as myself and my coworkers bust out line after line of cars awaiting their delicious, delicious caffeinated beverages. Smiles all around. Until know-it-all Nancy arrives in her oppressively expensive Buick. My coworker approaches the Buick with the point-of-sale tablet in hand. The shenanigans begin. Their interaction appears tense and she returns shortly after appearing confused. She wants a 32-ounce iced brave brevet latte, maybe? No ice with a single shot. What do I do? Ah yes, half and half with a splash of espresso. For those who are unfamiliar, this woman had asked my coworker for a 31 to 1 ratio of half and half and espresso and was apparently rather rude about it. Sounds like a job for the shift lead. Now it's my turn to talk to Nancy. Hello, miss. So you asked for a 32-ounce iced breve latte. No ice with a single shot, correct? Yes. Starbucks does it for me all the time. It's just coffee and cream. How hard can that be? Your coworker must be daft. She clearly wanted a cup of coffee with a splash of half and half, but we were now past the point where I felt obligated to correct her grave mistake. I was fuming. My coworker, being in earshot, understandably burst into tears and disappeared into the storage room. Nancy showed no shame. Okay, ma'am. I repeat her drink order back word for word once more before she confirms with all the arrogance she could muster. Like my wage master says, the customer is always right. When I return with her snow white beverage, she loses all of her crap. Gone. Out the window. Her face glows beet red as she complains, That's not at all what I ordered. Are you stupid too? Yes, ma'am. Have a blessed day. I shut the window and step back to watch her wide mouth lob obscenities towards the glass. Through her tantrum, she attempts to throw the 32-ounce cup filled with half and half at the drive through window, but it catches on the frame of her Buick window instead, thus spilling all that milky retribution into her lap and on her upholstery. Sweet, sweet karma. With one last F.U., she sped off into the morning sun, never to be seen by myself or anyone else at that shop again. The real kicker is that this was during the summer, so if she didn't have time to get her car cleaned out, it definitely smelled like rotting milk by the end of the week. My coworker felt better after I explained the events she'd missed. We finished today joking and laughing about know-it-all Nancy and her big stinky Buick. Be nice to tipped workers. Thank you. I'm not even sure it has anything to do with being a tipped worker or not. Just be nice to people in general. There was no need to be snippy about any of this. If you wanted something like a Starbucks drink, go to Starbucks. If you want a coffee that these guys make, then you have to describe it in the way that they make it. You know, learn their lingo in their shop. Every shop's going to be a little bit different. Now, there are some standards, but the employee explained it back to Nancy, and she obviously wasn't understanding. And if she had been a little nicer, then maybe they could have explained it in more detail. And by the way, 
I think now we've got a new name. We don't have to use Karen all the time. Know-it-all Nancy works really well for a lot of those same people that we always talk about. So we might start filling in. Boss says I can't come in early to set up my cart. So I come in right at clock in. Coworker who leaves early gets mad at me. So this happened back in 2015 through 2016. I, now 28 female, was working as a phlebotomist in a local hospital and I worked first shift, which was about 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. I love to come in about 10 to 15 minutes early and just set up my cart. Nothing fancy, just metal wired shelving types and we had our own personal phlebotomist trays that we put in the top section of the cart. I didn't always restock my tray before leaving my shift, so I'd typically come in early to organize it and get my metal cart ready. It usually took me maybe 5 minutes to put my tray on a cart and put the handful of tubes I needed back in place. Then I'd spend the rest of my time waking up in the break room with coffee. Well, one woman can't remember her age, who came into work a few months after I started and I had issues, I found her to be lazy and rude. Examples. She would come in and snap at people when they tried to help her. She would take a book with her during morning rush, which was 3 a.m. to 6 or 7 a.m., and sit on the floor to read and not come back to the lab to help after collecting her labs. She would hang out during the nurses' celebrations and not come back for hours at a time. She wouldn't clock in until the last second, and then she'd clock out the earliest minute she could. When it was time to start the morning rush, she'd get mad if someone took the stack of labs she wanted, and she'd go demanding them. She and I worked the same overnight shift, but I got tired of her attitude and switched shifts. Well, like I said, I like to come in early and set up my cart before I clock in. And she figured this out quickly, so she would try and hand me the stroke or trauma pager, something that needed to be handed to the next phlebotomist who was scheduled to take it in that shift. But she'd try to give me hers even if I wasn't scheduled for that one. But I refused, saying, I'm not clocked in yet. So she just left it on my card a few times without telling me, which led to it going off for a call to the ER and I had to clock in early when I saw her in the lab again. I told her to never do that again. The conversation got heated, which led to a meeting with me, the coworker, and our supervisor. Our supervisor took her side and said, just take it and if it goes off you clock in and then I'll adjust the clock on the computer, saying she'd shorten my time on the clock. So I said fine. I set my alarm for later in the mornings and I started coming in the last minute I could to clock in at 2.59 a.m. Yes, it made me start my rush a little later, but the look on my coworker's face when she saw me later, right before she was to clock out, as she was trying to hand me a pager I wasn't scheduled to have, and I already had the one I was supposed to, was priceless. She complained to the supervisor, who tried to talk to me, but I said, well, I'm not supposed to be here until 3, so that's when I get here and clock in now. I don't want my hours messed up. She didn't even try to argue. The coworker was very upset. She even screamed through the lab, demanding someone take her pager so she could go home. It was still 20 minutes until her shift was done. You know, it's one thing to do the bare minimum at your job. I've worked with people like this who will do the rock bottom minimum, and that's fine. Doing all you're required to do in order to get paid and that fulfills your contract or job description or whatever, that's fine. I still feel like we should go just a little above. It's kind of like, you know, renting an apartment or when you go to a campsite, you always leave it a little better than you found it. I try to do that with work too, but whatever. But this lady took it a step further and actually wanted to go backwards and do less than she was getting paid to do. And then the supervisor took her side for it and didn't want OP to get paid for the extra time if they had to clock in early. I don't think so. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.